It's official as of last night. Trump tweeted it himself. He and his wife have the coronavirus. We are now squarely into the time where a source close to a source who knows a source will uh, contact their favorite reporter from CNN or the failing New York Times. And the rumor mill is now at fever pitch. So I'm here to tell you we have no idea how sick he is or isn't. Correct. It would be crazy for them to tell us. We didn't find out for years how bad a shape Ronald Reagan was in. For years. Yeah. And for good reason. Right. Uh, Different in that he was shot, obviously. Trump seemed perfectly fine last night while he was talking to Hannity. Sure. And he was positive last night. Although generally, they tell me, they being the doctors, takes four to five days to develop symptoms from exposure. Another four to five days to figure out whether the symptoms are going to be mild or fairly serious. Another four or five days or more till you figure out whether you're going to get really, really sick. And if you get sick, it's going to be four or five days to five or six months until you recover, depending on the individual. And even for people his age that are overweight, 99% of people don't die. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. They say Although, in New York the number one complicating factor was obesity, yeah. and the president is officially a heavy fellow. Well, they're using the age group of, I think, 65 to 74. He's at the very end of 64, so you could look at the group 75 to whatever. Right. Probably get maybe a more accurate yeah. statistic. But anyway, yeah. uh, I don't know if living an incredibly high-stress life uh, shortens your... Uh, Affects it, but anyway, he you know statistics are in his favor, like they are for anybody who right. gets coronavirus. Right, many, 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 many people get it, and 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 an unfortunate few percentage wise die. And he's the getting fact better health care. Two hundred thousand is a hell of a number. I, I assume he stayed up all night long drinking bleach, um, uh, injecting. That's the most. Uh, what, what what's the most maddening thing that never happened that gets repeated regularly? That whole drink and bleach thing, or I mean, there's so many that's of them driving me crazy. Pretty maddening. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the president and Melania do have COVID. That's get, that's for certain. He said it himself. How sick he is? Who would know? He did sound fine last night on Hannity. And speaking of that, he denounced uh, uh, white supremacy again last night on Hannity. So I have to say, I've said it many times, and let me be clear again: I condemn the KKK. I condemn all white supremacists. I condemn the Proud Boys. I don't know much about the Proud Boys, almost nothing, but I condemn that. But did he go far enough? It oh. sounded like there was some wiggle room to me and maybe a, a, a coded message sent to... <laughs> Before we get into the real guts of this, uh, evidently Fox News Chief White House Correspondent John Roberts has been getting a lot of flack online for a, a, a a repeated questioning, I almost said badgering, of the president about whether he denounces white supremacists and, and the Proud Boys. Um, and and uh, in clip 17, John Roberts vented on the air last night. And for all of you on Twitter who were hammering me for answering that quite for asking that question, I don't care because it's a question that needs to be asked. And clearly, the president's Republican colleagues a mile away from here are looking for an answer for it, too. So stop deflecting. Stop okay. blaming the media. I'm tired of it. <laughs> but so he was talking to the the, the blonde woman. Yes, there are quite a few of them. Kaylee on Fox McEnany, News. the uh, press secretary. Yeah, I can't say her name. So yes, he's talking to her. Okay, and he asked her about it, and 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 she said the president has answered this so many times. Instead of just saying 
the president denounces. And I've been in this situation before in my life where somebody asks you a question and it's 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 such a no. You don't even you, you, it, it angers you to even dignify it with a no. Correct. But the smart thing to do is just to say no. Or yes, or whatever the correct answer is. But it's just so outlandish that you're even asking that. It pisses you off so much you don't even want to say it. Exactly. I've been in that situation before. Right. How many times? Well, there are a number of aspects of this that bother me. Uh, I'm not sure where to start. Let's start with this one. August 14th, 2017, C-SPAN. Noted right-wing outlet C-SPAN. President Trump condemned the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, that resulted from a white nationalist protest and left one woman dead and several injured. Uh, mention a helicopter crash. President Trump said the country needed to unify against racist violence, explicitly condemned the white nationalist and neo-Nazi groups that were marching in Charlottesville, and said the Justice Department would pursue charges against any perpetrators of racist violence. When will the president specifically denounce... <sighs> there have been like half a dozen incidents where he has specifically denounced white supremacy that is very true that is absolutely 100 percent true and but i think that feeds into the why it makes you so mad when you're asked again that you can't just say it straight up again and i he'd just be making his life easier if he just would right one other aspect of this that bothers me it's it's not as important but um dave rubin uh, just uh, unleashed. I don't, I'm not sure if it was a written piece or podcast or an interview, but he, uh, after Joe Biden called an Antifa idea, not an organization, at the presidential debate, Rubin shared his firsthand experience. An idea doesn't burn down buildings. An idea doesn't throw Molotov cocktails at people. An idea doesn't assault people on the street. People do that. If what Joe Biden's trying to say is that they don't have laminated business cards ready to hand out when they are doing these things, then I suppose he's correct. But I've done many public speaking events, usually about free speech and free markets, capitalism, good stuff, no bigotry, no racism or hatred involved, and Antifa has shown up and violently protested, pulled fire alarms, prevented him from speaking. That would have been a good thing for Trump to be able to say. Yes, if only he could make his own arguments. Um, Anyway, so that bothers me that Joe Biden and company are never asked, do you specifically denounce left-wing violence? Now, Joe Biden has denounced violence and looting. See, I'm not the left-wing media. I'll say yes, he has repeatedly. But has he denounced uh, Antifa? Has he denounced... Well, no, he didn't. He dodged it. Certainly didn't in the debate. Has he denounced Black Lives Matter, which has stated explicitly that sometimes violence is necessary and they are pro-looting? Ooh, I got a poll on that that is something. One more thought on this. And here is the key point that makes me crazy. You're right, Jack, is a strategy. The president ought to just say, I specifically and categorically denounced white supremacy in all its forms. And but just say that over and over again. If your wife asks you if you're cheating on her. Yes. Are you having an affair? Why would you even ask that would be my, probably my first response. Not instead of denial. In, exactly. Instead of just no. Because I hate to even say no because it's it seems to, you know, to even say no seems to uh, give credence to the idea too much. Um, yeah, I but suppose. That, but okay, <laughs> but even if you do that first time. How about the next day? Are you having an affair? I'm I'm not going to answer this question anymore. Right. 
Or, I answered it once. Or there's something wrong here that you keep asking me that. The, you You're would, trying to imply yeah. that I am having an affair because right. I've already answered this over and over but, again. But again. It's a dog whistle. The left is always talking about dog whistles. Asking the president on a weekly basis whether he disavows white supremacy is clearly a dog whistle. But back to the affair well, analogy. It's a police whistle. If, if you got to ask several times... The, the the probably the best answer would be to just continue to say no, but you probably wouldn't. Right, after a while. Yeah, I understand that. And then the most important aspect of this to me, and the part that really bothers me, and I would love to sit down with John Roberts and ask him about that, about this. Ask him, where'd you hear that the Proud Boys are a white supremacist organization? Where does that come from? Why are you saying that as if you know that to be true? What's going on there? Well, it's generally known. I'm sure he'd say it's um, I've heard um, or a couple things to know. And this is going to be the sort of complete ish nuanced picture you get nowhere else. And it's either a great idea for a radio show or a terrible idea. But I'm going to give it to you. Keep yapping, man. And (laughs) Enrique Tario is the international chairman of the Proud Boys. He is a black man. He is of Cuban heritage. He insists the Proud Boys aren't white supremacists. I denounce white supremacy, Mr. Tario said in a Thursday interview in Miami. I denounce anti-Semitism. I denounce racism. I denounce fascism. I denounce communism and any other ism that is prejudiced toward people because of their race, religion, culture, and tone of skin. And they go on in that vein. A couple other people involved. Um, yeah, I've you know I've read this a couple of different places. What you're just saying, which makes me wonder. It seems to work against the media's narrative to pick a group that's not white supremacists. Why, why don't you just make it a blanket white supremacist to try to tar the right. president with? Why and, why are you giving him an out like that? Well, and that's that's what bothers me. Do you denounce white supremacists, including the Proud Boys? And the president, who again does a rather poor job of explaining himself at times, he he hesitated, issued caveats, etc. Stand down and stand by, because he didn't know whether that organization were white supremacists. If I walk up to somebody and say, "Do you denounce? Do you denounce communists like Positive Sean?" <laughs> what, what are they supposed to do if they don't have the slightest idea whether Positive Sean's a communist or not? So. Here's, Are you a communist? I don't think so. <laughs> stand back and stand yeah. by. Yes, I'm asking you to stand back and stand by. <laughs> Dr. Wilford Riley, who teaches political science at Kentucky State University, a historically black college, says, quote, the Proud Boys aren't white supremacists. He said the group espouses, quote, a Western chauvinism philosophy, which isn't the same as white supremacy. No. Nope. The Proud Boys are openly right-leaning, and they'll openly fight you. They don't deny any of this, but saying they're white supremacists, if you're talking about a group of people, more than 10% people of color, and headed by an Afro-Latino guy, that doesn't make any sense. Now, here is the uncomfortable part for a lot of us who are conservative and or, like our friends James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian and Helen Pluckrose and, and, uh, and, and gosh, uh, Sam Harris and... Uh, to a large extent, Bill Maher, and uh, I'm leaving out some notable names. Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi and others who are trying to defend the Enlightenment, classic liberalism, meaning the free exchange of ideas and goods and the rest of it, everybody being uh, a universal human rights. 
there are folks who are way out there who also believe some of those things. They are racialist groups that I specifically categorically say, I ain't in that, and I don't want it, and frankly, I'd be more comfortable if we didn't have the Klan also saying Western civilization needs to be defended. But if you're going to, and, and listen, there are, of course there are guys in the Proud Boys, there are thousands of members who may be anti-Semitic or not like Mexican people, or maybe they're down on the Dutch I don't know, but if you're going to go with the, well, that group was part of the rally in Charlottesville that also attracted that group and that group, then you must, if you're a lefty figure or a lefty media person, unless you're being purposely dishonest because you just want to get your agenda through, but if you're going to be honest, you have to say the SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, is a communist organization. Well, they used to denounce guilt by association on the left so that right. labor unions weren't tarred with being communists. Right. The SEIU regularly marches with the Socialist Party of America and openly associates with American communists. Is the SIU a communist group that must be denounced. New York Times, Washington Post, Alphabet Networks, I'm talking to you. By your logic, that's unquestionably true. What about Black Lives Matter? We received a long and impassioned uh, email from a black listener who thought we were out of our minds saying Black Lives Matter has anything to do with Marxism. What are you talking about, he wanted to know. Word has not gotten around that uh, Patrice Cullors and the other gal whose name I don't recall, the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. There are YouTube videos you can watch of the founders talking about being, being Marxists. They are trained Marxists, and they are activists in getting Marxist theory into the United States, into the schools, into society, and reforming the U.S., tearing it down and reforming it as a Marxist uh, country. They are open about that. They're proud of it. So... Where is Joe Biden specifically condemning Black Lives Matter? Because by pretty close association, they are down with a philosophy that killed hundreds of millions of people in the 20th century. The Proud Boys get in fights now and again. You don't like them? Fine. Campaign against them. Call them all the names you want in the world. But meanwhile, you have organizations that are down with communism getting a pass. That is my issue. So the president has COVID. Uh, what? They've, Coronavirus! They've done more tests on the people around him. Some of the results are out. And the growing willingness to accept violence on your side. Really interesting poll. All on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Pelosi says she's praying for President Trump after his positive coronavirus test. Good morning. But warned against the brazen behavior that had allowed it to happen. So she had to get a little bit of a shot in. Sure. Wasn't wearing the mask. Kamala Harris wished Trump and the First Lady a full and speedy recovery. I'm happy to see 
that were at least that far not off the rails? I thought maybe we were that far off the rails. Mm. I saw Adam Schiff wished the president and his wife uh, good health. His very name makes my skin crawl. We're not so far off the We're a long way off the rails. Yes. Um, You know all the reasons why. But we're not so far off the rails that, you know, Adam Schiff doesn't come out and say, well, with any luck for America, he will die from this. But we're probably only like a year away from that. We got the smallest, thinnest neck I've ever seen. We can still see the rails. You didn't miss that, clouded in all those words. The president does have the coronavirus. And so he's, you know, flying on the plane to the debate and back with all of his inner circle and that sort of stuff and talking closely in small rooms with no masks. So they got to test everybody. Vice President Pence, Jared Kushner, Barron, Trump's son, Ivanka, they've all tested negative. I would contend that they wouldn't tell us if Pence tested positive anyway, but um, so that's that. It doesn't look like the entire Trump team is about to go down. No. Uh, that, that would be a problem. Came across this uh, the other day. So uh, how much time have I got, Michael? I want to make sure I've got time for this. I don't have time for this. I okay. The way polls have moved on your willingness to accept violence in politics very troubling. I have some information on that very topic myself. Uh, just a quick uh, addition to the last segment. I'd meant to squeeze it in. Uh, if you let the Southern Poverty Law Center define for you what's a hate group, you're crazy because they're crazy. Anybody to the right of Joe Manchin is a hate group, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, so they can raise more money. The great Lan He Chen coming up to talk. What are we going to talk to him about? Do we have, is there anything to talk about? Not really. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Governor, you were uh, part of the debate prep. What can you tell us about the bubble? Were folks wearing masks? Were you wearing a mask? Was Rudy Giuliani wearing a mask when they were when you were working with the president and others in the room? No, no one was wearing masks in the room um, when we were prepping the president during that period of time. Uh, and uh, we were the, the group was uh, about five or six people in total. That's Chris Christie talking about debate prep. The president has tested positive for coronavirus. He tweeted that out last night. You know, MSNBC is making a huge deal out of that and how reckless they are. No, none of us are wearing masks in this room right now. No. I don't feel like we're being insane either. So, Well, no, we work in a small group of people that interacts on a daily basis. And we don't get tested every day like all those people around right. the president right. do. We're joined by Lon Hee Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon Hee Chen. Lon Hee, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. It's good. a slow news day, right? Uh, another it just, one. It just, it, you know, the announcement of ACB to the Supreme Court seems like it happened six months ago. Well, and as I texted to a friend this morning, we were texting back and forth, they said, the, the last thing in the world I am is uh, superstitious, but I will not utter the words, this is as crazy as it can get. No, no, you don't want to say that. So what's your reaction to the announcement of the president's uh, COVID status? Well, I mean, first of all, you, you, you hope he's able to make a quick recovery. Same thing for the first lady and, and for people who may have been exposed. I mean, that's really the, the big question now is you've got this detective work I'm doing to figure out, you know, exactly who may have been involved. You've played that Chris Christie clip. I mean, obviously, the president's been in contact with a bunch of people. My presumption is that they'll test Biden as well, uh, even though the president and him weren't all that close in the debate. You know, they were they were potentially close enough indoors. So 
I mean, there, there are just things that they need to track down in terms of how it impacts the race. You know, I've 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 heard and thought about everything under the sun from this is this is the October surprise. It's going to completely unend the, you know, upend the race to uh, it's really just not going to have much of an impact at all. My my view is the dynamics of the race don't really change. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It's going to change the campaign schedule over the next week to two weeks, to be sure. But I, I don't know that anybody, again, the question that I've been asking all morning or, or since last night is, does this change anyone's mind about the election? And I'm just not sure it does, at least until we know a little bit more about the president's condition. Hey, here's a good thing to ask you about, because I've, I've heard this a couple of times this week, and it's probably going to be true, as you just said, even after the coronavirus announcement. You go back to the... Uh, Average polling lead Biden had over Trump in January, and it's about the same. That was pre-impeachment, COVID, economy, George Floyd, (laughs) Supreme Court justice. All these things lead is about the same. Same with the right track, wrong track. Before any of that started, impeachment about the same as it was now. It would seem to me that nothing can move the needle. You either can stomach Trump or you can't, and that's where we are. You know, I think that's a good observation. People have their minds made up about President Trump. They've had a long time to figure out what they think of him. Uh, And so as a result, what you will see are episodic differences, right? So occasionally something happens and, and a bump goes one way or the other. But fundamentally, people know what they think of President Trump because he is the most covered in terms of the media, uh, most kind of out there public figure we have in our country, perhaps in the world. And so you know what you think of him. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm floored by the notion that there are undecided voters still at this point. And I kind of wonder sometimes, like, are they really undecided or are they just looking for attention? Or are they stupid? Because, or are they really, really stupid wow, people? Wow, I'd like to stand up for the voters of America, but go on, Lonnie. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I just think that it's, it, it is, it's got to be the case that you have at least a gut instinct about Donald Trump by this point. And, and you've had it for some time. And this is why, you know, at the end of the day, I still have a tough time seeing all of these late breakers go for President Trump at the end of the day, because I feel like you've got an opinion. And if you still haven't figured out that you like him, you probably won't be for him when it comes to Election Day. See, so it's it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I think it is. Um, it's more a question of I like him on policy. I can't stomach him as a human being. And people yeah. are undecided which way that push and pull is going to propel them. I think they're they're less undecided about the candidates and more, can I pull the lever for Trump or pull it again? Uh, having said that, and again, it seems like it was months ago. Did you hear there was a debate, Lonnie? Yeah. It was like 72 <laughs> hours ago. It, seems like, <laughs> it almost seems irrelevant it was 72 hours ago. I know. What's your take on that? Um. I, you know, I called it a black eye for democracy right after the debate. I, I really thought it was one of the. In what sense? I <laughs> well, I just yeah, can't imagine why one would conclude that. No, I mean, I, I, I watched it and I thought, you know, if you, if you wanted to learn something, did you really learn anything? Probably not. What you saw was, you know, really kind of petulant, childlike behavior uh, at, at various points during during the debate. And I sort of thought after it was done, like, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have any more of these? And now, actually, here we are on Friday, and I'm thinking we might not have any more of these for, for very different reasons than I thought before. Um, the, the debate 
the problem with that debate format is when you don't empower the moderator to really do a whole lot more except for telling the, the people that are doing bad things to stop and not really giving him the authority to stop them in any real way. When you have this format that essentially, you know, doesn't really allow for constructive engagement, that's why I do think they've got to think through the rules as not for this cycle, for future cycles. But I, um, I didn't get a whole lot out of it, and I'm pretty sure most Americans didn't either. Well, now that I've watched parts of it, uh, you know, uh, after it happened, so I don't have any of the the, the emotion or excitement or the newness or anything like that, Trump made some really good points. He got in the way, you know, he thought he was being aggressive. His aggressiveness worked against him in several instances in which he should have just let Biden lay out for for two full minutes why he's not going to answer the question on packing the Supreme Court. For instance, yeah. Yeah. I thought the strongest part of the debate for Trump was actually the opening when he talked about the Supreme Court and he talked about why it was that he had chosen Amy Coney Barrett, why it was that 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 he was, you know, essentially constitutionally entitled to make that choice. I thought that was the best part of the debate, honestly. I thought he made his points clearly. Um, I, I actually didn't think the health care exchange was all that bad for the president either. I think he was able to make a couple of good points there. Um, I do think the debate, you're right. I think as things went on, he would have been better off just kind of standing back and trying to let Biden make some coherent points because there were a couple of times where, frankly, he bailed him out. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, he bailed. He bailed Biden out. I, I hope he realizes that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard, right? Like people have asked me after the debate, what would you what would you tell Trump to do differently? How would you prep him differently? And it's like that's the, the premise of that question assumes that you can prep him at all or that he's willing to be prepped. I mean, he's got his own way of doing things, and it's his style. And, yes, was he a little hot? I think he was a little hot. Do I think he could calibrate that if there is another debate? Probably if he wanted to. But that's really all you can kind of tell the guy. you know. And, and, and overall, the pressure points he put on Biden, whether the law and order stuff or uh, you know the stuff about uh, Green New Deal, I thought I thought those were the right pressure points to apply. I don't know that I changed too much about the, the the substance of it if I were him, except for one thing. I do think he needs to say more about what he's going to do in the next four years. I think here to your point earlier about some people being not sure if they can pull the lever for him at this point. I think hearing more from him, having some reassurance, like, look, here's what I'm going to do in the next four years. I think that would help that dynamic tremendously. There is so much that uh, Biden said that is worthy of, of criticism politically as an American, constitutionally, the rest of it. I hate to hammer on Trump, but I would love to hear have, uh, I don't know, Mark Meadows and Ted Cruz and, and Lindsey Graham get in his ear, presuming, you know, he recovers his health and tell him next time Joe Biden says they're going to take away your health care say these words we will protect people with pre-existing conditions just say that make it explicit cuz people are afraid as hell of that and when Biden brought that up it was a weird rambling kind of non-specific answer i just i get that he wants to argue in his own way but it seemed like he did not have those core five talking points ready and it just frustrated the hell out of me but you know at this point probably enough's been said on that lon he chen's got his own podcast we understand you had a good guest on your uh, most recent yeah so we we did an episode on monday with a woman named elaine quijano of cbs news she actually moderated the vice presidential debate four years ago the uh the debate between uh, pence and tim kane and so i just wanted to ask you know hey what's it like to moderate one of these things you know and, and and in, in, in light of all of the conversation about the role of the moderator and what Chris Wallace did, 
uh, it's actually kind of a fun episode to listen to, you know, in terms of talking about, she talked about how she got picked and what it was like to prepare and whether she was nervous or not having to do that and what it was like during the debate and what the debates mean. So, uh, yeah, go go have a listen. It was a, it was a fun interview. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, I, sounds really cool. I wonder if the moderators should, should start by saying, look, for both of you, I want you to commit right now to following the rules that your campaigns agreed to before we get started. Just right now. Do you commit to this? <laughs> and yeah. on the, I don't know if that would help, but. And if you don't, I, don't, I, I will I don't beat the would, hell out of yeah. you. <laughs> maybe, maybe a physical threat. I don't know. I've got the Proud yeah. Boys here, and they're going to rush the stage. <laughs> oh, boy. Lon Hee Chen is the Dave and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon Hee Chen. Lon Hee, thank you so much for the conversation. We'll talk soon. Thank you. So, yeah, I've, I've heard that a couple of times this week, and that is astounding. Sean has, uh, I almost said inadvertently, but that'd be cruel. There's no reason to say that. Sean has nailed this whole thing from the beginning. Sean, Everybody's, our producer, Sean? Our producer, Sean. Hi. Everybody's well. meter is completely stuck. If you go back to January, and the poll numbers are roughly the same, and the right track, wrong track is roughly the same... Given the craziest year in in world history, outside of maybe you know when the dinosaurs got obliterated or or, or Pompeii, seventeen seventy six was pretty nutty. But nothing changed through all of that. Well, maybe maybe the things just by coincidence equaled each other. Half of it would have pushed people right. Half of it would have pushed people. And it neutralized everything. It's just amazing. A quick note from our friends at CarShield. They offer a wide range of protection plans that can save you thousands for covered repairs. Your check engine light goes on. Your car is, oh, your beautiful new car. The bumper-to-bumper warranty just ended. You know what's going to happen next week, right? Well, you don't have to worry about it if you have CarShield. Yeah, the whole no long-term contract or commitment is awesome. Payments being flexible. Because you can sign up for CarShield today, and then you can get out of it whenever you want. So it's uh, it's pretty cool that way. So jump right on it. They've helped over a million drivers. That's why they're America's number one auto protection company, CarShield. Over a million. And you choose the mechanic or the dealership. They don't tell you where to go. You, that's up to you. Come on now. Go to CarShield.com. Use the code Armstrong. You'll save 10% because you know us. CarShield.com. Use the code Armstrong. Or if you're old school, dial 1-800-CAR-6000. And again, the code is Armstrong. 1-800-CAR-6000, Armstrong, or just go to carshield.com. Lonnie Chin's an easy mark. If I'm a stand-up comedian, I want a bunch of him in the crowd. I mean, it might be because he does all serious interviews, like all day long. Well, and he's got a really good sense of humor, And so too, I think, any but... levity whatsoever is just going to seem like such <laughs> a, a relief. relief. Such a relief. <laughs> right. So right. outside the bounds. The president has the COVID. Uh-oh. Coronavirus! That's right. What happens next? Will next. shock you. Well, ne- well, I don't know if it'll shock. Depends how easily shocked people are. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. change of pace. What does it sound like when a devoutly Christian conservative quarterback is mic'd up and engages in gamesmanship and what do you call it, Sean? What's the term? Uh, trash talk. Trash talk. Yeah, this is what it sounds like when Philip Rivers is trash talking. Can't play with 12, Greg! Hey, Greg! You can only play with 11, Greg! JT, don't dance with him. Run him over. I'm dancing with him. 
You weren't even close to making that play. You got your hand on it. You weren't even close. Hey, pooch kick right over here at you, nine nine. Hey, they got a little blistered things. Awesome. Hey, hey, hey! Oh, honey. Oh, whoop, whoop. Oh, ah, baby. Oh, Lee. Uh oh. Shoot. Oh my gosh. Shoot. That goes. Aggravates the stew out of me. Sheesh. That aggravates the stew out of me. Sheesh. <laughs> Aggravates the stew out of me. Sheesh. That's pretty funny and awesome. A lot of oh gollies and, uh, well, well, darn it. That sort of I thing. remember watching one of those years ago when Steve Young was the quarterback for the 49ers, and he's, you know, he's that kind of guy. And uh, he got his foot stomped on, and he's hopping around on one foot. He's like, oh, good gosh almighty, that smarts. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's awesome. I'm not. I'm not laughing at it in a. That's bad sort no, of way. It's charming. It's, yeah, there's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with le- being less coarse. Nothing wrong with it. Especially because when you resort to the the coarse words, especially the art of the insult has declined so much in the last century. I mean, you read you early. F and F. Right, you F and F head. <laughs> you read like. Oh yeah, you're an F and F. You're just a bag enough. Uh, you read the, uh, like Dorothy Parker or H.L. Mencken or a- anybody in that generation, their insults. When Hemingway and Faulkner would get into it, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> the, We've lost that. The president of the United States has COVID. He was on Hannity last night. As this was unfolding, it seemed, I, I know I thought, I think everybody thought, um, who was following it, eh, it's a little weird. Uh, you tested negative, but you got another test, and and he tweeted out that uh, uh, the first lady and I are going to quarantine for ten days, and we're getting another test. Okay, what's going on there? Yeah. Um, and then it was like an hour later that they announced that they do have it, but so he knew he had it or likely had it while he was on with Sean Hannity last night, and he obviously wasn't rattled in the least by it, or at and least he, he suspected be. he had it. You shouldn't be if you yeah. find out you have COVID. You should not be rattled. Because the, the most likely thing to happen is you're going to be fine. What if you're a 74-year-old overweight guy? I'd be a little concerned. Yeah, it would it would absolutely concern me. I wouldn't gather my family around my bed, but I'd be a little concerned. Not yet. So the official statement from the White House, which should be taken with a grain of salt so as not to uh, give too much information to the Chinese, the North Koreans, the Iranians, and any other malign actors, the Russians, is that the president is experiencing mild symptoms. But they wouldn't tell us if that weren't true anyway. So. No, well, and honestly, if he was exposed four or five days ago, now's about the time he'd f- feel the first signs of it, if indeed he was going to feel any at all. And four or five days from now, we'll know whether it's going to get at all serious. And several days after that, we'll know if it is going to get real serious. If it does, go to level three. And then sometime between five days and six months later, we'll know whether, uh, you know, how badly it affected. <laughs> what did Nancy Pelosi say about him? Back in the day that he's morbidly obese. <laughs> yeah, well, he is obese according to the government scale. No, but. no, wait a second. I, 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 I hate the BMI scale as much as anyone, yes. but uh, watching the debate the other night, when they would do those sideways shots, yeah. I would be reminded, oh, yeah, he is a really giant guy. What? Morbidly giant? obese, they say. No, no, what? Oh, How tall is he? Those side shots? He wears a loose jacket. <laughs> you can, why? You can see his buttocks and back and belly in the in the side shots. 
He's this freaking wine. Oh, wow. This is this is the liberal media and attacking he is, the president. And he is not 240 or whatever he claims. Shaming. There's no way. That's the official word of the White House doctor. <laughs> They're not going to lie to the people. There's no way. 244. At his height that he's 240. How tall is he? I bet he's 6'3". Brr. Morbidly obese, they say. He prefers a loose jacket. 6'3", according to Google. And a yeah. long tie. I've known guys that were 240... Are much shorter than him. Um, I, I, he he could be a two eighty guy easily. Oh, listen to this. No, but this like, is course. Yeah. You know, <laughs> LeBron James is six nine two fifty. Uh, I always hate that about pro athletes because oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little over six foot, and I'll see some wide receiver six foot one eighty five, and he's just ripped. Yeah. And I think, wait a second, I'm one eighty five. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't look like a. <laughs> so what is my what is going on? There? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was it? I, you know, I slipped into body shaming there, and it was uh, that's not cool. That was not a the, uh, nice moment. The, no, not it was all. not. No, it was not. Really I, sickening. I hope that was the worst part of my day, in terms of my behavior. Um, we all do, Jack. Uh, uh, what was Got I going to say? No, the reason I went there is. That does change the calculus on the COVID thing. I mean, he is a he is a quite overweight old man. Right. On the other who hand, he never exercises. If he gets over it very quickly, he will be and the first lady for what it's worth, but they will be isolated for about 10 days. If he seems to be recovered, they will give him a couple of COVID tests and the CDC protocol is if he passes two COVID tests, he's negative, then he goes right onto the debate stage on the 15th. Yeah, but isolated for 10 days with 32 days to go, a third of the days he's going to be isolated when he was probably going to do multiple rallies per day. Mm-hmm. That's uh, pretty significant. Well, he can send out that human dynamo Mike Pence to persuade the crowds. Get them all fired up. Oh, yeah. Armstrong and Getty.